Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's Light the Tower. Your daily look around the world of sports. With Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way, and Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe. On your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, The Horn. Second hour of Light the Tower on the Horn. Gregway with you. Jack Farrell, our producer, this morning. And pleased to be joined by my co-host, the pride of Northwest Williamson County. Proud graduate of Florence High School. Always. You know him best for his outstanding work at Horns 24-7, where he was plying his trade this morning, scoping out the first day of spring football practice for the Texas Longhorns and Sark's media availability. He is Jeff Howe. I was sportsing before some people were awake this morning. Yeah. Yeah. You were sportsing along there. So um, uh, I'll tell you what. Hold it just for a second. I want to do clean up from hour number one. Then we're going to get the full recap of what you saw, what you heard, those kinds of things. And, and we'll get into it in a longer notebook also. Absolutely. So have some uh, and we'll also hear from Rodney Terry this hour as well. So we'll do that. Uh, let's see. Uh, Jim from Lagovis asking, can you explain the reasoning why schools that are going from Division two up to Division one are ineligible to participate in the tournament for X number of years? The key number there is X. Like I said, it depends on the conference. They're in what's called transition. They are uh, adding scholarships. Sometimes they have to get facilities up to uh, Division one specs. So they give them a ramp-up time where they do that, where they have to get all those things in order. And then some conferences, to be quite honest, don't want a team just kind of rolling in the first year because it there might be something fishy involved there and walking in and winning a conference title and getting an automatic bid, especially some of those smaller mid-major leagues. So for a variety of reasons, there's no one specific, there are a variety of reasons it's called a transition period. So saying there could be some ringers involved? Just saying. They just want to, they want to be... We want to make sure everything is above board. You threw out a ringer for our ringer. Yeah. Uh, Golf Lingo says, uh, Costco had a Girl Scout had Girl Scout Thin Mint pretzels this year. They were really good and also sold out quickly. About those Raspberry Rally cookies we talked about, the Raspberry version of the Thin Mints that sold out, and now you can find them on eBay, Girl Scout cookies, for 30 bucks a box. Hey, by, when I was on with Chad and Zay on Thursday, yeah. Zay told me he's like, he goes over the east side and finds like bootleg Girl Scout cookies. I didn't. Know I didn't know existed. there was like a uh, bootleg, bootleg version, bootleg black market for Girl Scout cookies. But apparently, Isaiah Collier knows the hook where up to find them. Yeah. Wow. Okay, didn't know that. Somebody said it wasn't that good. Raspberry Rally was okay. Not something I would rebuy. We certainly wouldn't buy it. Buy it. Uh, probably at thirty bucks. CB says Samoas are the goat. I like the Samoas. I'm. 
Also like the dosi dos. Those are the peanut butter. I thought we were talking about the wild Samoans, Afa and Sika, big tag team back in the day. No, wasn't talking about that. Talking about okay. those uh, Girl Scout cookies. The Samoas are the ones. Uh, the chocolate bottom. They have the coconut and caramel with the chocolate icing on the top, drizzled on the uh, top. Do you have a favorite uh, Girl Scout cookie uh, there, Jack? I lean Samoa as well, <coughs> okay. or Caramel Delight, if you will. Those are good too. Yep, yep, like those. The lemonades. That's that's all it's about with me at this point. Big as a hockey puck. Those yeah, lemonades. Those are so I freaking like shortbread. Good. Yeah, yeah. The tree foils. Uh, yeah, Linda likes those as well. Um, so. So there you go. <laughs> Texas X said, I'm a fan of the Royals, Daryl and Edith. Yeah, there you go, because we're talking about the royal family and the upcoming coronation. So um, anyway, um, also, uh, hey, hey uh, our man in Belton, very, very proud, very, very proud of his alma mater and Mike Harge's alma mater, whose Ellison Eagles are going to the Final Four. In the Boys UIL State Tournament, 37-3, and they'll play Mansfield Summit, which, by the way, Mansfield Summit, it's their first ever trip to state. So the last time they made it, my junior year in 92, when Billy Clyde Gillespie was the head coach. Yes, sir. Finally beat number one Temple on their fifth try in the regional final. Yeah. Congrats to them. Um, and I'm rooting for them. I'd, I'd like to be able to do that if I wind up calling. Now, that depends on whether the Texas men reach the Big 12 tournament final or not. Uh, as to whether I would be uh, calling those games. Good times over on Elms Road in the 254 right yeah, now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, someone asking with uh, Mark Adams' suspension, maybe the door's open for Beer to return to Texas Tech. Um, I would be. So he said, can we please stop using goat for every? That was another thing we had heard about somebody. Uh, uh, I'd read something about that, that that was an overused term or whatever, goat, uh, that's become uh, popular. The... Um, I hadn't really gotten to the uh, Mark Adams suspension yet. Uh, for folks who had not heard what happened, uh, the Texas Tech Red Raiders head coach suspended by uh, athletic director Kirby Hocutt for what were called racially insensitive comments, I believe is the way it was uh, described. So, um, and, uh, and, and it's also, uh, to hear Coach Adams talk about it, a difference and a misunderstanding uh, in interpretation because he said he was quoting the Bible, uh, but he's been suspended for what the school is calling inappropriate, unacceptable, and racially insensitive comments. Uh, according to Tech, uh, Coach Adams was encouraging a player to be more receptive to coaching this is something Jeff Goodman at uh, Stadium had had uh, the first story on this, and then quote referenced Bible verses about workers, teachers, parents, and slaves serving their masters. Now, this ESPN story says that Adams apologized to the team after he found out a player was upset. Jeff Goodman's piece said that Adams said, "I did not apologize for that because I was talking about." I was I was talking about the Bible. I did not apologize. His actual quote was, "I did not apologize." Man, these coaches, you know, all they all have agents for the most part. They need yeah. PR reps. Yeah. To sometimes tell you, "Hey, shut up, stop talking." Mark Adams apparently went to the Nate Oates School of PR, which is just to just keep opening your mouth and inserting your foot in it. You're not doing yourself any favors here if you're planning on keeping your job. 
Uh, By the way, Nate Oates is going to keep his job because he's got a team that's going to get a number one seed and they won the SEC. But Texas Tech, conversely, finished five and thirteen in Big Twelve play. They're the nine seed, and they're sixteen and fifteen overall as they uh, play West Virginia. I got a feeling that job, that Tech job, is going to be open here before too long. I mean, that that fan base hadn't been happy with Mark Adams this year, and I don't know when when you I've seen enough of these when you get the. The combination of, of donors and administration pointing their figurative guns at you, you're you're yeah. toast. You're done. You're done, son. He um he did sign a contract extension last spring that was to run through the twenty twenty six, twenty twenty seven season that would pay him fifteen point five million dollars over five years. If he were to be fired without cause, he'd be owed sixty percent of what is remaining on the contract, which is more than seven million dollars, so that's that's what's been reported and that sort of thing right now. So I don't know, and, and I would also say that it would be even in this never say never world that we live in today. I think it would be difficult to imagine Chris Beard returning to Texas Tech. I think probably you'd be best served. Like, you know how USC, when they hired Lincoln Riley, like, they had to get away from any kind of extension. They finally had to just break away from any kind of extension to the Pete Carroll tree, which I think, right. like, Texas, after Tom Herman got to that point where it's like, look, you know, the, the whatever extension you have to the Mac Brown coaching tree, just just get away from it. Just start anew. Start fresh. Um, I think at this point, uh, Tech should just get away from that Chris Beard coaching tree. Probably just start just start fresh. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens going forward. Tech will play uh, Wednesday night, and uh, they'll be in that eight nine matchup with uh, West Virginia. If the Mountaineers were to beat them, Tech would finish sixteen and sixteen, and then I imagine we'd hear one way or another about his future probably shortly thereafter. If if that were to be the Do case, you have to be above five hundred to get invited to the NIT, or is it just five hundred or better? Might be five hundred or better, but. This latest thing doesn't exactly make them an attractive. Well, I, I, too, you could, especially if they were to lose, you and, could decline the invite too. In theory, or just make yourself not available for. I mean, in the pool, this is this is different from what's going to happen in the CBI, where Detroit Mercy is going to get invited with a losing record. Oh yeah, because because yeah, the guy yeah. with the scoring Antoine record, Davis, yeah. yep, going to uh, he's. What was it something like three points away or seven points away from Pete Maravich's all-time record? So they're going to get invited because that that event can use all the promotion it can possibly, you know. Uh, no, what I'm saying there were there were people complaining, and it might have been LSU fans. I don't know if it wasn't LSU fans. I apologize to those of you listening, but they were like, "Oh, this 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 record gets broken. It, it it's not going to matter because it, and you're just trying to take away from the greatness that was Pistol Pete." Like, do you really think? Somebody breaking his record is going to take away anything from or or lessen what great what a great college player Pete Maravich was. No, no, no. It's, it's just like if somebody ever breaks Emmitt Smith's rushing record, which yeah. I you know, given the way football is today, that that seems like an untouchable record. But never right. say never. Does that mean like well, he's better than Barry Sanders and Walter Payton and Jim Brown and Emmitt Smith? I mean, he's got more rushing yards. Those guys were garbage. No, they weren't. Doesn't take away anything from how great they were. It's true. That's true. And and I don't think it would, you know, and I understand when folks say, you know, Pete Maravich played in the era before the three-point shot. 
um, you know, all that kind of stuff, played fewer games, yada, yada, uh, that sort of thing. So, um, if anything, like it would, it would make you go look at stuff like that and be like, wow, Pete Maravich must have been a badass. Kind of like when LeBron was chasing the scoring record. Yeah. And you started looking at him like, dude, look at what Wilt Chamberlain did with no three point line and, you know, guys hanging all over him and yep. how, you know, everything. And everything yeah. he did. Yeah. Absolutely there. Uh, someone said, Jeff, I pray that one day you will feel so passionately about your faith in Jesus Christ that you would not apologize for it. God bless you, my brother. <laughs> I don't know if that's tongue-in-cheek on that deal I don't know either. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, so, anyway. Uh, so there's uh, there's uh, the deal. Before we get to the... Thank you. Yeah. If it wasn't tongue-in-cheek, thank you for assuming you know uh, my religious beliefs, but you know, yeah. whatever the case. Okay. Um, before we get to the break, I want to hear from uh, Rodney Terry. This was the post-game conversation we had with him after the game. And then there's a couple of – I've waited until you got back in the building, Jeff, to update the bracketological prognostications. Awesome. So we're going to get that. But first, Rodney Terry with the conversation that Eddie Orn and I had him right at, had with him right after Texas beat Kansas 75-59 to on Saturday. We've talked about complete performances. How about this one for your group? We've been, we've been waiting all year for this one right here. I'll tell you where – we put it together defensively. We put it together offensively. Uh, we got offense off our defense. You know, we guarded a really good team for the first half and held them 24, one of the top teams in the country, uh, to 24 points. I mean, it was just awesome to see. I'll ask you the same question I asked you, Barry. What was the biggest difference that you noticed in this performance as opposed to the one up in Lawrence? Well, we took care of the ball, uh, and we were able to keep those guys off the glass. Uh, especially early, and uh, again, we scored scored off our defense. We sat down and really guarded here, uh, here today, especially to start the game, and uh, that just carried over into the second half. And uh, again, I'm just proud of these guys, proud of this team. Uh, this team's just been so resilient all year and worked through a lot of adversity, man. I'm just super, super proud of the way they closed that Big 12 play in the toughest league in the country, you know? Yeah. Ronnie, talk about your defense playing in position, but more important, not fouling. I thought your team did a good job not fouling. Did a great job of not fouling. That was a, that was an, an emphasis going into the game. Uh, we put those guys on the line. They made 22 free throws in game one. We said we couldn't let those guys get to the paint and and uh, get run out run outs on us. They did over there in game one, uh, but we did a great job. We really controlled this game from start to finish. To be honest, you have finished in sole possession in second place. You're the number two seed. You'll play at six o'clock Thursday night probably against uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State winner as well. What's the calendar like for the guys and mixing the proper amount of work and preparation before you head up to Kansas City? Well, we got to take the day tomorrow off. I mean, we go, we've had a stretch here where we've you know, gone some consecutive days without doing that, and we were on the road. Just really happy again with the guys. We were super disappointed on, on Wednesday uh, in terms of not being able to close that game out over in Fort Worth. But uh, our guys, like I said to them, you know, uh, the next day, I said, we have a chance to do something that uh, a lot of teams don't get a chance to do. You get a chance to respond to your disappointment. And, uh, and I thought our guys did, a, did that at an elite level today. Hey, congrats on the big win, and uh, we're looking forward to being in Kansas City. Thanks, Greg. All right, so there it is, the uh, conversation with Rodney Terry, which you were at the game on Saturday and witnessed a pretty complete performance. Yeah, about it. I agree, about as complete a game as Texas has played this year. And I think it just shows, you know, I was thinking about this last night, and I'm, I'm working on some, some pre-tournament content right now, and with the All-Big 12 team coming out yesterday. So many guys had the the guys that came back, a lot of them had their roles changed pretty drastically from where they were last year. You know, Marcus mm-hmm. Carr, Marcus Carr is not on the ball near as much as he was last year, yet 
pretty much all of his numbers are up and all of his shooting percentages are up too. So he's a more efficient, more effective, still highly productive player. And Timmy Allen's role changed drastically because the offense doesn't flow through him as often as it otherwise would, as often as, as it did right. last year. You realize Timmy's assist numbers are up? Yeah. From last year? Yeah. Uh, you know, you I keep at, hearing all these people go, they can't win unless Timmy Allen is scoring. Wrong. Not true. It's been I mean, proven this year. They won 23 and 31 is, games with his scoring down this year. And, and by the way, they proved on Saturday they could beat a really, really good team without Timmy Allen and Marcus Carr both having landmark games. Because go look at, you got to look within the box score because what's the key numbers for Marcus Carr on Saturday, Craig? Six assists against zero turnovers. Exactly. And Timmy, you know, Timmy, that's a typical, Saturday was a typical Timmy Allen game. Six points, six boards, three assists, one steal. Yeah. And for the year, I just had it. Where is it? Yeah, for the year, Timmy is 10.5 points, 5.5 rebounds, 3.5 assists, and almost right at one steal a game. That's just a little. Timmy Allen, I don't, Timmy Allen's not great at anything, but he's really good at a lot of things. Yeah, including defending. You know, whoever he was picking up on the defensive side. He doesn't have one like – like I said, the the analytics community has to hate Timmy Allen because, like, all this dude does is, like, take mid-range and short corner jumpers, and every now and then he'll get a bucket in the paint. But it's it works. It works, and he's damn effective, and he's one of of your better passers and can facilitate. So Yeah. Uh, By the way, the texter said it was not tongue-in-cheek. It was genuine prayer for you there, Jeff. Just (laughs) genuine prayer. I mean – I I do have a response, but I'll keep it to myself. Okay. Uh, John in the Bay saying, did the environment created at Moody and the advantage it created surprise you guys at all this year? Yeah. I, yeah. I, well, it was set up to be the way it could. It, it, it all, to me, depended on would the students re- respond. And uh, whatever else you care to think about and say, and I understand – uh, with regard to how it ended with Chris Beard uh, at Texas, it was his vision to have it designed that way to where the students would have te- 270 degrees of seating in the corral and all that stuff. And then his team, his marketing team, and Lauren Pinner was a big part of that and uh, what they did in getting the students marshaled together to where they were into it even long after you know, the, the change took place and Rodney Terry took over and there was that uh I think it was good to see you know the fans in the season ticket area sold up and, and they were remember in past years they were drawing in the neighborhood of 11,000 a game but it just looked like it was you know far less than that because of the yeah. cavernous size of the Irwin Center well in a or an arena with a seating capacity of 10763 and you wind up I think the average attendance was 10965 above 100% because of the upper corral. Um, so maybe that surprises some folks, but it was set up. It was planned and executed well to make this work. Now the thing's rolling. Yeah. And if they and if they have a good postseason, they can keep it rolling to where that's going to be a very difficult, mm-hmm. like you said a few weeks ago, might have been difficult for some folks to imagine, but it's transitioning into becoming a difficult place it, to it, play. It's a, it's a home court advantage. I mean, Scott Drew, Bill Self, uh, uh, dang, dang, the only coach that uh, I don't think made a big deal about the environment was Jerome Tang because he's the only one that won, the only visiting coach that won in that building. This and they year. got up big early. Well, and school wasn't in session at that point, right? 
So it's not like the students could just walk over from campus and and fill those seats. Yeah. So because they were still on uh, holiday break. So, it, but it's it's nice to see Texas have a legit home court advantage. And I've enjoyed going back and watching the replays because mm-hmm. when you're in the arena, you know it sounds different. You're right. And Craig, you got the you got headphones on. Right. And I'm tunnel vision doing what I'm doing. It gets loud. But when you go back and watch a game replay and really see how the crowd impacts a game, Texas has never had that yeah. in basketball. So it's it's nice to see. Um, I've, I've been asked by a lot of folks about Dick Vitale uh, sitting next, and I've sat next to Dick Vitale many times on that. He's just exuberant, and what you see is what you get with him. Hey, Craig, it's awesome. How you doing? You know, and and uh, he said somebody told me there's somebody important sitting over there, and I said that's Michael Dale, the computer. And, and, then, a, and then he said. Uh, uh, and then a senator, I said, yeah, that's John Cornyn, the senator over there. That's awesome. So Dick, he had he's a, good a time. very touchy feely person. Did you, like, did you get like the hand on your shoulder the whole time while Constantly. he's talking to you? That was a fantastic Constantly. Dickie V, by the way. That was fantastic. But don't do it again because you're, you're. It made me cough there. Yeah, yeah, allergies working there. Anyway, all right. When we come back, we will have the Longhorn Notebook, uh, Jeff, with a recap of what happened this morning in football. So it'll it'll continue as we continue with Light the Tower on the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260, live, local, and digital on the Horn app at hornfm.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Like the Tower with Craig Way and Jeff Howe. This is Like the Tower on the horn. Craig Way, Jeff Howe with you. And our producer, Jack Farrell. Uh, before we get to our Longhorn Notebook... We do have we do have a Flex Thirty update that we need to bring you. So we uh, need to get you the Flex Thirty update first. Flex ATX for the best high school sports coverage. Listen to the horn and go to flxatx.com. Flex Thirty is brought to you by. Brain Vault. Brain Vault is a revolutionary and patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of concussion. Visit BrainVault.com and join the movement. Okay, here's your Flex 30 update. There are no Austin area teams left playing basketball this year. That's it. No, there's a little more to it than that. <laughs> but uh, all of the remaining Greater Austin teams were knocked out. In regional tournament play over the weekend. Okay. What are, what are we doing with Ellison? Are they part of the flex coverage area or not? Well, I mean, if folks want to count them in there, that's okay. I think of them as a super syntax team, really. Okay. Myself, uh, I, I will for the purposes of this show, I will count the Fighting Mike Harges as a an Austin area team. Okay, okay. I see. I prefer to say. 
Central Texas inclusive of Austin because they're really yeah. not Austin area. They're sixty miles out. Right. 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 Yeah. So, but but yes, your point is made where you can kind of and. By the way, there will be some folks who will make the point, and that would include probably our good friend Jim Spencer over at KXAN, the the weather forecaster par excellence, because he uh, he likes to put in those forecasts, and I've seen David Yeomans do it as well. He likes to include in those uh, in those forecasts Flatonia, and Flatonia did make it in two A into the state semifinal. Now I think of them more as, you know, South Central. You know, kind of they're they're kind of in one of what I prefer to refer to as uh, kind of one of those black holes yeah. because they're between mm-hmm. San Antonio, Houston, and Austin. But Flatonia made it. They're in two A and they're playing Lapointer uh, there in the two A semifinals. Uh, so if you have Flatonia and you've got and you've got about and you've got Clean Ellison and that's about as close as you get. Out of the greater Austin area, uh, Stony Point got beat in the Sweet 16 by a really good Brennan team that then turned around and into uh, the season for San Marcos in the regional final. Great Tough. run by the Rattlers, yeah. great run, but it ends uh, there with Brennan, and Brennan will be in the uh, semifinals seven o'clock Friday night against Beaumont United. It's an all Metroplex matchup in the other 6A semifinal. Lake Highlands against DeSoto in that. Trey Johnson, number one player in the country in the yeah. class of twenty twenty four. Absolutely. Uh your um your other matchups? One A, Benjamin against Grayford, and uh the fighting Billy Gillespie's. He was from Grayford there. Benjamin, of course, won the six man state championship in Division Two, and now they've reached the final four in basketball. McMullen County, we heard Victor uh, weighing in on, they won the regional that was down at Burger Center. They'll play Jayton in the other one A semifinal. That's uh, uh, Thursday morning. Then Thursday afternoon, the three A's: Hooks and Hitchcock, Lytle and Childress, and then in the evening session in five A, Kimball, the Arterio Morris alma mater, taking on from Dallas, taking on San Antonio Vets Memorial, and then Colleen Ellison in the five A taking on Mansfield Summit at 8.30. So that's Thursday night there for Ellison. Then on Friday morning, it's Lipan, whose girls just won the state title in 2A. Uh, 2A semifinals, Lipan against New Home, Flatoni against LaPointer. Then you've got, back to the Finler title, Oak Cliff Faith Family Academy, the charter school. They're playing Canyon Randall in one of the 4A semifinals of the other one. Bernie, which, whose girls made it to the semifinals as well, playing Houston-Washington. And then in the 6A evening, as I mentioned, Beaumont United and Northside Brennan, Lake Highlands against DeSoto. I need Harge, if Mike Harge is listening, I need Harge on Ball Don't Lie to give us uh, the the C.E. The Ellison High School Mount Rushmore. Who would be the four people on it? Tommy Harris. Tommy Harris, certainly. Yeah, he's definitely one. Is Harge on it? Harge might be on it. Yeah. Might be on that Ellison Eagle. Are we looking for like best Ellison baseball product? Is it down uh, to Hodge and Travis Tucker? The running back. David Winbush. Yeah. David Winbush. Former former Kansas great. Yeah. yeah that, that would be one there. Um, all right. So if Harge is listening, you can let us know on that. All right. So there it is. There's your flex. 30. It's your homework today, okay. Harge. There it is. All right, uh, time now. Harge will join me tomorrow night on the call Longhorn baseball game. Oh, Harge is doing color tomorrow. He'll be with me on Texas and Sam Houston tomorrow night.
So uh, Mike will be back. He was busy. He was up in uh, Frisco doing baseball. His heart is all over the place right now. He is. He is. Uh, Ready to roll with our Longhorn Notebook. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. A Longhorn Notebook that is brought to you by our good friend Aaron Bowersock, your Longhorn lender and uh, your home loan expert. Check her out on the web at bowersockteam.com. This is a true Jeff Howe Longhorn Notebook. Longhorn's going 13-0. That's what I saw this morning. Is that your forecast? Undefeated. Yep. One practice, and you're ready to proclaim it. I understand. No, I mean, I, I've got notes up at Horns 24-7, and we're, we're not going to cover everything uh, in this, nor will we cover everything that Sark said. But, you know, some general observations. And I, I they changed our area where we're allowed to watch practice. So I How so? We're allowed to be on the sideline this time. Okay. So I, I, I watch the defense almost exclusively this morning because I just don't get to see those guys very often. And... You look at the physical development, even just over the winter, of guys like Terrence Brooks, Ethan Burke, Jamon Tapp, especially those guys that were freshmen last year. Like Terrence Brooks looks like an NFL corner right now. That's what happens, Craig, when you recruit high-level recruits and you can develop them a little bit and they've got projectable tools. They've still, they haven't tapped out physically. I'm really liking where some of these guys, where their bodies are going. Um, you know, Jalen Catalan was out there. He had a green, uh, green non-contact jersey kind of tucked in the back of his shorts. He was a little bit limited. You know, I, he had the shoulder surgery at Arkansas last year that ended the season. But I like what Sark said. He said Jalen Catalan's kind of a natural leader and has taken on some of that defensive leadership uh, that you know, DeMarvin Overshone, and especially in the back end with Anthony Cook leaving. He said that was something that they really wanted to add. They wanted to add experience in the secondary, you know, losing Deshaun Jameson, losing Anthony Cook. He feels like they added that, not just with Catalan, but with Gavin Holmes, too, the, the corner out of Wake Forest who's backing up Jade Barron at that star position. Your three guys working at that star position, and an individual were Jade Barron, uh, Gavin Holmes, and Austin Jordan. Uh, really intrigued by the D-line group. I, I wrote this about Sadir Mitchell, and again, this is the first time you get to look at the freshman like in a, in a workout setting with the veterans, so it's really a, an apples-to-apples comparison. If there is such a thing as a lean 360 pounds, that's Sadir Mitchell. Like, he wears 360 about as any as good as anybody could wear 360. <laughs> and, Craig, I, I was thinking about this, like, I'd probably have to go back to the era when, like, guys like, I think about, like, a Will Winston, a Lionel Gar, like, when Texas had those, yeah. when Texas was recruiting those kind of guys. You know, and that's the kind of offensive lineman Mac wanted, and then trench guys Mac wanted. That's probably the last time Texas had guys like Sadir Mitchell or Peyton Kirkland. I mean, Andre Kojo's three fifty plus. Connor Stroh is three fifty plus. That's the, that's probably the last time until now that you had guys that were just massive, like mountain men in the trenches. It's it's impressive to watch some of these guys how big they are, but how well they move. Um, so that really kind of caught my eye. David Bendis, it looks like he's going to get the first crack at filling that void left by DeMarvian Overshone. He was with the ones. The only time we get to see all 11 guys together is in pursuit drill. David Bendis was lined up next to Jalen Ford in pursuit drill. So he's going to get the first crack at it. Mo Blackwell, Jet Bush on the second team. Got Anthony Cook. Uh, Anthony Cook. Anthony Hill. I keep hearing really good things about Leunga LaFowl as an early enrollee. So that... I, I I wouldn't get worked up at all about the depth chart the first day of spring practice. Just like we say in fall, don't get worked up about what the depth chart looks like. Those guys are going to have a chance. And Sark even said about the edge opposite uh, Baron Sorrell, there he, he used the term Rolodex. We're going to Rolodex some guys. We're going to run some guys through there to really kind of figure it out and see what they've got 
uh, before they settle on somebody at that position to replace Ovia Gofu. Justice Finkley's going to get a crack at it. You know, Chris Ross, Craig, if you may remember, he was like a yeah. 270, 280 yeah. kid at North Shore. He's under 250 now, listed at 246, wow. and they've kicked him out to edge. So he's in that mix, too. Uh, it's just really interesting to see how the body development up front with everybody. Jare Bledsoe's like just a hair under 270. Uh, I, I still like him long-term as kind of a Moro, Moro Jomo type guy that can play different shades, do some different things. Malik Murphy did not throw. He was dressed out, did not throw a single pass while we were out there. And Sark said he's still dealing with some, you know, I don't know if he's, it's, it's residuals or if it's just, He's maybe kind of aggravated something a little bit, but it's still that foot still was bothering him. So they're being careful with them. Obviously, first day of spring practice, mm-hmm. you're going to be careful with it. So it was Quinn Ewers running with the ones. Uh, Arch was the number two quarterback. And then that second group was Cole Lord and Charles Wright. So you got five quarterbacks, uh, four on scholarship in camp right now, which is a good number for them. Yes, did get to see Arch Manning throw this morning. Yes, there were times where it looked impressive. There are also times where it looked like, oh, he's a freshman going through his first college yeah. practice. So don't don't read into anything. Sark did say the quarterback job is open, but uh, but he's only he, he said that because he really wants you know Arch and Malik whenever he's healthy, if and when he's healthy, to really push Quinn Ewers and make Quinn work to keep that job. He said that's no different than any other position. You know when you. When you do 11-on-11 11 11 team periods or Pascal or 7-on-7, seven seven, whatever it is, somebody has to be the number one quarterback, and it's going to be Quinn. But he, he's he, – Sark even said it himself this morning. He said he doesn't want you know Arch to feel like he's out of it. He wants to kind of let this thing go. And if Arch ends up pushing Quinn, then so be it. Then you've got two quality quarterbacks. So True. he's going to let this thing play out. Um, on the injury front, so Sark did confirm Xavier Worthy played – pretty much the last half of the year last year with a broken hand. We kind of heard that, and still mm-hmm. it's kind of like, okay, to what extent? Like it wasn't bad enough to where he had to come out and it didn't require surgery, and to my knowledge was never in a hard cast. Uh, but it clearly clearly it affected him on some level. Uh, you know, In terms of how much, what percentage we could put on it, we, we probably might not ever know. But Xavier Worthy's back from the broken hand. Jalen Gilbo with the ACL. Isaiah Nair with the ACL. Those guys are still rehabbing. Probably Sark said if he had to give a, a definitive status on both those guys, probably right now would be out, but he's not going to completely rule them out for getting back for some portion of spring practice. Uh, Cole Hudson coming off shoulder surgery. You've got Connor Robertson coming off the wrist surgery. Uh, Jonathan Brooks coming off the hernia surgery. Brooks is a, sounds like Brooks is a little bit ahead of where the other two guys are. He's hoping to get all those kind of guys back at some point in the second half of spring practice. You got Keelan Robinson's dealing with some sort of a muscle strain right now, so they're just they're being cautious with him. And I got let me look real quick, Craig, and see if there's anything else uh, in terms of injuries. I think that gets it all covered because I did mention Malik Murphy. Let me look at my notes here. Uh, yeah, that pretty much covers it. And I said Jalen Catalan was limited. That was the other one. Okay. Um, A.D. Mitchell looked really good. Probably the, the quote-unquote play of the day, if you want to go there. Uh, during one-on-ones, Arch Manning threw a real beautiful go ball to A.D. Mitchell, kind of set it out in front of him, and Mitchell went and got it. That's a good-looking receiver group. And then we'll, throughout the week, we'll hear more audio from Sark, and, and we'll get into it. That receiver group looks really good. Sark really likes where they're at from a depth standpoint, but it's all about now. Now that you've got good young depth, that competition, can that depth become quality depth? And can guys compete every day and raise the level at practice every day? I know that was a crash course, but... That's all right. It's the intro to all of it. Spring practice is underway. We'll be back to wrap up today's edition of Light the Tower on the Horn. Craig Way and Jeff Howe, Light the Tower. 
And we're getting ready to wrap up Life of the Tower. A couple of things. Updated AP top 25 rankings out. What did you say, Jeff? Longhorn men up to number seven? Seven. Yes, seven in the in poll. final regular season poll. Number seven. I promised the bracketological prognostications for you there, Jeff. So I held on to them. Texas, according to Joe Lamnardi, holds its two seed. Uh, and he has them in the east, but he has them opening in Birmingham against uh, Youngstown State. He's expecting to win on that. And then um, our friend Jerry Palm has Texas, likewise is the two seed, and he's got him in the Midwest playing in Denver against Colgate, a projected winner there, possibly against the winner of Creighton and USC, a rematch with, rematch with Creighton. Right. In a second. It'd be interesting if it happened that way. We'll find out. Uh, we'll have more on this coming up during the By course the way, of the week. By the way, Mike Harge sent me his Ellison High School, yeah. Mount Rushmore. Yeah. I won't spoil it because I expect that to be in a flex segment on Ball Don't Lie today. Excellent. Okay. All right. That'll be good. All right. At least I want it to be. I'm not going to run Harge and Rod's show for them. There you go. Uh, <laughs> uh, thanks to Jack Farrell, our producer today, and for Jeff Howell and Craig Way. Thanks for joining us. Chad and Zay are up next. We will visit with you tomorrow morning, 10 o'clock, right here on Light the Tower.